0: Let's go to Hebrews chapter four together in the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter four. It's a journey to try to speak what you feel is the urgency of the Lord. How many of you know there's a lot contained between Genesis and Revelation? I mean, we could spend hours and ages, if you will, on it, but I believe the word ha- the Lord has a word each time. It's difficult sometimes in our hurried schedules and the pressures we have. It takes time sometimes to get a hold of the mind of the Lord. How many of you know that the more busy Satan can keep us, the less time we have with God? But it's imperative to be with the Lord. Amen. I'll turn to Hebrews 4 in a moment. Join you there, just be ready. In a simple sense or in simple terms, a nation can be considered nothing more than its land, its people, and its leaders. But a nation really is much more complex than that. I want to talk to you this morning about something our nation needs. Not a typical patriotic message, but I believe it's patriotic. I want to speak on the subject, can Christ be king again? I believe, I know for a fact, that the founders of this nation built the entire nation, its constitution, its preamble and everything about it, warp and woo, fabric from start to finish based on the scriptures of the Holy Word of God. It has so been pushed aside. Ladies and gentlemen, in 1963, Madeline Murray O'Hare signed fake signatures I had her own son in my pulpit in Tyler, Texas years ago. They took telephone books, and she hired people to sign fictitious names out of the phone book, or as if they signed it, took a million signatures to Washington, and in 63, we said, God, take your book, take the prayer, and get out of our schools. And I want to tell you, we've been in trouble ever since. (laughs) Okay, I've already started out pretty stout here. I would love to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords rule again in the home of the brave and the land of the free and the nation that I love dearly. The red, white, and blue needs a revival, amen. In 2021, there are, we are face to face with humanism, socialism, communism, greed and selfishness, has been woven into every aspect of our society. A new atheism is swirling and strutting down our streets. All kinds of religious isms. Islam is coming like a plague. I want to ask you a question today in-house and online. What is America going to do? What are we really going to do? What I would like to ask some of these folk who wanna take God out and do away with all morals where man is his own God, the Holy Trinity of me, myself and I, when we, myself and I, has their way, what do you think we're gonna end up with? I will tell you, we will end up in tyranny and in bondage and in slavery because every nation in the history of humanity that turned their back on God wound up in slavery. And if we get what you say to us by kicking God's word out and getting prayer out of the schools where every man is his own God and he does just as he well pleases, what kind of a nation do you really believe we're gonna become? How many of you know it got quiet really quickly? How many of you enjoyed Dave Reaver last week? What an awesome testimony. What an awesome testimony. I said to my wife, I've said to several people, if I got up today and did what I'd really like to, and what I'd really like to say, there is no telling how quickly I'd be putting the ground. <laughs> what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Young people, you are needed like you've never been needed before. Revivals always come through the young people I challenge you young men, young women, thank you for playing music and thank you for singing. and Thank you for being our youth department. But your message needs to be heard everywhere you go. It's imperative that your message penetrate this late hour. How do we carry out God's work? How do we triumph in this horrendous day? I have a text, Hebrews 4, that is, I believe, very encouraging. I think we need, it, we need to kind of get back to it from the Word, if you will, and, and like an IRV, we need to uh, plug it up into our hearts and souls again. Hebrews 4, verse 12, follow with me just two verses. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature, generation 2020, hear it, even today, there is no creature hidden from its sight that is the Word of God. In its principle of truth and eternal value. No creature is hidden from its eye sight, but all things are naked and open to the eye of him whom we must give an account. Say what you want, do what you want, rebel all you want, live for self all you want. Someday, when it's over, this is not the final thing. There is a judgment coming, and you will stand before the great white throne of an eternal God and give an account for your life, whether you believe in God or not. Doesn't change the thing. This text to me is encouraging. It's important that on this very special holiday, I want to remind us of an invincible weapon. A superior weapon. And as believers, I want to remind us, us, let us not forget, ladies and gentlemen, if we are in the kingdom, we are warriors in this kingdom and we do have an advantageous position we have in our hands the sword of the Spirit. It's called the Word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit. This goes beyond human reason and human sight and human philosophy and human mind sight and human intellect. This goes into the spirit world that can dumbfound the mind of humanity. This Word is superior. We have in our hands this sword of the spirit, this word of God, and it's imperative in this generation today while we live that we unsheath this sword. Today, don't pull out the butter knife. (laughs) Do, Do something besides a spoon, if you will. And I never have liked them, I understand them, that's the way I like to do dishes, but don't pull out in this day a plastic fork. Pull out the word of the Lord, the sword of God, and ladies and gentlemen, not only pull it out, let it fly. Proclaim the word of God now in your generation at every occasion. Thank you for four amens. I said at every occasion. Proclaim the word in your life. Proclaim it in your marriage. Proclaim it in your home. Proclaim it in the marketplace. Proclaim it in your neighborhood. Proclaim it in every conversation you have. If you listen to the Spirit, God will give you something of the Spirit to say in every con- con- uh, conversation. It is God's Word that can bring a new culture to this world. It can, it will. Mom, dad, young people, what God has placed in your hands is to be used to perform open heart surgery. This word is God's instrument of conversion. This book is God's instrument of regeneration. This word is God's instrument of spirit healing, be it individual, family, church, even a nation. This is God's instrument of spirit healing. God's word can heal any people, in any tribe, in any kindred, in any tongue, in any nation, if you and I will genuinely live it and share it and make it a major part of our lives. God is calling us to speak this word today. Pastor, what if they reject it? Not your problem. Well, young person, you say, Pastor, what if I say so? They'll make fun of me and mock me. Listen, they've always made fun of and mocked and scorned anybody that'll stand for the truth. Your generation shouldn't be any differently. I know that when I was in high school, I stood for the Lord in many things, and I got scorned, and I got, you know, talked about and criticized by my peers, but I want to tell you now, well, I hate to say it, but 50 years later, I went to my class reunion here a while back, and I want to tell you, there's respect there, and it's amazing to me how, ladies and gentlemen, God still knows how to talk to the heart of the human being. Two things, only two points. If Martin was here, he's traveling. If he was here, he'd turn over. Well, he's not there. <laughs> Everybody says you have to have three points. I have two. And most of you said, thank God. Okay. I want to talk two things. I want to first of all talk about what the Bible is. What this word is. First of all, it is the word of God himself. Verse 12, we read it, it is the word of God. It was spoken by, thought of, it is God's word. John Calvin said, quote, when the Bible speaks, God speaks, end quote. I love that, don't you? As the Bible is spoken, as it is read, as it is preached, as it is sung, as it is lived, it goes forth, ladies and gentlemen, with divine authority and divine power because it is the word of God. This word works. It is the word of God. Secondly, not only the word of God, this word is living, it is alive. In the original language, something interesting here about this word living. We read it just a while ago. Living and powerful and sharper. This is a living word. In the original language, the first word in verse 12 where we read it is the word living. Instead of like now, for the word, for the word of God is living, it was reversed. It, it, the first word is living. As translated into English, they made it follow the subject. But in the original, living is first. It is saying living the word of God is. That's important, let me tell you why. It's called in the emphatic position. It was the way writers then used the language to emphasize what is brought to scripture, placing the important word in that verse first. And I want you to know this is an alive word. It is a living word. It was the emphasis that the Holy Spirit was trying to write. This writer is saying the message we live, the message we speak is the living word of the living God. You say, Pastor, well, we just know the word. We we pledge it. We might hide it in our heart that we might not sin against God. Hiding it in our heart is imperative. It's important. But I want you to know that once it's here, speaking it is also important. That's what God's called us to do in this society. Mom and dad, when Satan comes in like a flood into your home, speak this word over those children. Speak this word over your finances. Speak this word over your plans. Speak this word over every, every snare of the fowler because this word, God said, that is what I will send to heal them. This book is sent to us to heal us. I remember when I was a child in my house, the word of God was imperative. I think I mentioned it before, but when I was a little boy out in West Texas, I was probably two or three, and I remember this. I, I, I actually could remember things. I realized when I, back when I was two years old, I, I, my parents, after many years, uh, they said, I said, I remember how that house looked and how it was laid out, and they're going, What? And I, I, I don't know. I just, the Lord was speaking to me back then. <laughs> I remember how the house was laid out. I remember all the rooms and I remember the next door neighbor's names and I was just two and three, but your mind is important. I remember my mom and dad came to a major crossroads in their life. My dad's employment was in question and what are we going to do? Are we going to stay in West Texas where I was born? Are we going to move back about a hundred miles south of here, the Paul's Valley, Winniewood area? Are we going to go back there where family is? And my dad was praying and praying. He was a brand new Christian, really didn't know a lot about the word, but they had what? They had bread of life. They called it. It was verse cards that people kept on their table back then. How many have ever seen one of those? We ought to bring them back. It's a stack of verse cards you set on your dining table and every time at breakfast and at noon and evening, you'd pull a card of promise and read it to the family. I remember very well my dad was searching God and just really had a difficult time of trying to discern what he should do. Now with a wife and two children, I guess three children, yeah. I will never forget, my mom and them were telling about daddy that morning, pull that card, he had to make a decision. He pulled that card out and he read from the Old Testament. And it simply said this, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I want to tell you something, that's a word that's alive when you need it. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Can I tell you as a little bitty boy, I remembered that, I remembered the story. And can you have any idea how many times I've been in question and I need something to go on and I need to hear the voice of the Lord and I simply just go and remember as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. And the songwriter caught it and a couple of centuries ago. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me, He knows me personally. This is the living word, ladies and gentlemen. It lives in you. It impacts life. Our world reels and looms in destruction because we have pushed this word out of mainstream society. The only way for men and women and young people, boys and girls, to have the life of God in their spirits and in their souls is to have the living word brought to them. It is living, it is explosive energy, it is truth. In it, it, ladies and gentlemen, it transforms. It transforms the spirit. It transforms the mind. It transforms our behavior. Thirdly, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That means it's active. No weapon of any arsenal is more piercing and more penetrating than the word of God. This word has power in it. Come on, church. This word has power in it. People may put up a front to it. They may scorn it and reject it into your face. They may throw up a barrier. They may hide behind a pretense with it. But I want to tell you, this is a sharp sword, and it has supernatural power to be able to penetrate any satanic spirit in any soul, mind, or body. There may be times when the pastor is tired and he's stopped up like he is this morning and weary and he may be flat. He just sometimes can't speak all the time wonderfully. (laughs) But this sword is always razor sharp. It cuts through the most callous heart and it cuts through the most carefully crafted facade. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, by this sword, the worlds were created. By this sword, the heavens were created. By this sword, your soul and body and your spirit was spoken into being. By this same source that said, let there be light, there was light. And by this same source that says, let creation be it's there and I loved it it said let there be light and it was let there be light to a dark soul and when I was five years old it lit me up and I've never been in darkness since pastor five years old absolutely because it's alive and it's real and it knows how to speak to the soul and the spirit that's what the word is it's living it's active it's sharp here's my second point what the Word does, and I've talked a little bit about it. What work does it really perform? First of all, letter A, if you're taking notes or on the Bible app, middle of verse 12 says it's piercing, to the division of the soul and the spirit. That is to say, the Word of God gets through to us. I just mentioned some ways. I wanna say it again, it cuts (coughs) through all the structure of lies. It cuts through the system of confusion and all deception. It cuts through resistance, and it has its voice, and it has its hearing in the inmost being of the human being. I wanna to speak to pastors and preachers. Gentlemen, ladies, if we preach any other message other than this book, it will be superficial. If we preach any other message, it will always be tickling ears and stroking egos. I wanna tell you, this book knows how to speak truth. But this piercing word, let's just just declare it. This piercing word is no flesh pleaser. This piercing word is no ear tickler. This piercing word is no surface gospel. It cuts through self-righteousness. It cuts through religiosity. It cuts through depravity and corruption. It cuts through pride and pretense. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, read it in Acts 2. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And the scripture says when he spoke that, all the people there, they were cut to the heart. And they interrupted the sermon with with, what must we do? So let's interrupt it this morning and let me tell you what to do with this word. Accept it and then speak it. Parents, young people, if we would genuinely, if we would genuinely live this word, let me just meddle a minute. When I say genuinely live this word, I'm talking about let it direct our lives. Not the me, myself, and I. Not what I want, I want, I want, what I will, what I will, what I will, what I think, what I think. If we would live this book, we could change this world. You know what's wrong with, the, with our world in America? The Christian hadn't lived any different in the last few decades as the pagan. We fail this, we fail this society. We want to be like the world as much as possible, but then we want to spe- feel spiritually safe. I-, I just want to tell you that these, when Peter's preached that day, the Spirit says they were cut to the heart and said, what must we do? Parents, young people, if we will generally not only live this book, if we will speak this book, it sends a power into the spirit world when we speak it. God would use you by speaking this word to change the eternal destinies of hundreds and thousands and millions of people if we'll be bold enough to speak this word. And I want to share with you, there aren't any excuses here. Well, Pastor, that's just not my personality. Then then you call God a mistake. He declares that we speak this word. Well, pastor, I just don't have an outgoing personality. Then change. (laughs) Get one. Because God says, speak this word wherever you are. Do something to your society. Do something in your generation. And that's why our world and nation needs us desperately. Speak it. Secondly, this word judges. With so many... Things dominating the news this week, I thought, which I did this week. I think it was Tuesday, I was privileged and honored to speak at Brother Darrell Parker's memorial here in this sanctuary. The next morning on Wednesday, about 11 o'clock, I traveled to Forest um, Sill National Cemetery did a committal and put a soldier for the American world and a nation and a soldier for the cross interred his body. Ladies and gentlemen, it's gonna come back out of there someday. And by the way, if you say, well, that sounds good. This book is the only book by any chance, any means, any way. You can ever expect that because no other God has conquered death. No other God has done any such thing. They cannot boast a resurrection. They cannot boast of your life hereafter. That's what, that, that, that's what reincarnation tries to do. But I want to, here's what's amazing to me. We have so many, we have so many religions around. Reincarnation says, if I blow it this time, then maybe I'll be better next time. How many of you know that it is true that the human being is created as superior above all creation? You know how, you know the reason we can rule this planet and rule what happens in our lives is because we were created as image bearers of God. Yes, we are tainted with sin, but we are still with enough intellect and a moral conscience that God lets us rule over this planet. If not, ladies and gentlemen, we'd, we'd all cease to be. Some other animal or some other species would take us over. So I have a question. I have a question for the reincarnationist. Let's see. Have you been a grasshopper before you blew it? Did you, did, you, did you get eaten by a frog? Were you the frog before that? And now you're a human being and if you blow it this time, there isn't anything better. What, 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 what kind of concept is that? I'll tell you what it is, it's a lie out of the pit of hell. Because if Satan can catch you between the cradle and the coffin, there is no other time. This book says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. This is a one-way journey, folk. You on the internet say, Pastor, I don't like that preaching. You know what, you need to take it up with the Creator. He's the one that said it. This book judges. This book takes the truth and it draws a straight line. And I'm going to tell you something. Just because generation 2021, 20, just because we've changed our mind about the Ten Commandments and all these things, doesn't mean God's changed one word because He hasn't and He won't. This book's forever settled in heaven. It is. It judges. Well, I don't like that. So many things dominating this news. I thought we need to perform a funeral because a death has occurred. The truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth except in this book has passed away. We are being fed lies across the airwaves, whether it's on internet, television, radio, whatever you have, an iPod, an iPad and everything. Lies are being pushed across this nation that's poisoning the very mentality of this society. I don't know if you know this or not, but young people, please understand this. Our politicians and a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists and a lot of so-called learned institutions, higher learning institutions, they've understood that if we keep saying something, saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it, let me tell you what happens. The mind hears it enough it believes it's true. And it can be a total damnable lie. And that's why, that people will will say something that's not true over and over and over. And if you keep listening to that, your mind will line up with it and you'll believe it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a blindness from Satan himself. That's why I let young people, mom and dad, you need to be careful about the books you read, because they're not all true. And just because it's in print doesn't mean it's true. And just because it's on the internet certainly doesn't mean it's true. And just because some, some, some well-known personality says it and says it and says it, if it does not line up with this word, don't you buy it. There's a scripture in here, I think it's in Proverbs, that says something like this, buy the truth and sell it not. And yet... We want to live like we want to live. We want to do what we want to do. The Christian wants to live just like the sinner. Well, I'm saved, but I'm going to shack up. Well, I'm saved, but I'm going to shoot up. Well, I'm saved, I'm going to do all this. All those things are of of a nature that is tainted by sin, and sin will not enter the kingdom. Pastor, how dare you say that? I want you to know this book brings judgment, whether we like it or not. He said, Pastor, why would you say that? Because it's true. And I say that to you in this room and everyone on this internet. I will not stand tomorrow or any tomorrow that comes blood guilty of your soul and your body because I've told you. Pilate, you can wash your hands all you want in that sense, but I want to tell you the judgment, the judgment, By the word of God, thank God, I'll be through. The word of God takes the blind off Lady Justice. The word of God absolutely balances the scales of justice. Yes, so-called intellectuals wanna sit in judgment of this book. Moderates wanna sit in judgment of this book. It reminds me of a story I heard years ago. In an art gallery of very expensive treasured printings and paintings, paintings, sorry. A sophisticated lady of great means said this. Having viewed many of the portraits and the paintings, she said something like this. Well, I don't think this painting is worthy of any position in art. And standing close by her was a security officer who overheard it and he replied, Madam, people don't judge these paintings. These paintings judge people. I want to declare to you a truth. Men do not judge this book. This book Man, judges humanity. Men don't judge this book. You can have an opinion all you want, but it doesn't change this book. And by this book, by this book, you and I will be judged. I know this is pretty straightforward. I understand it. This book judges even to the thoughts and the intents, the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This word, ladies and gentlemen, totally exposes the heart and people see themselves as they really are before God. Salvation and sanctification doesn't happen because you're in a religious crowd. Salvation and sanctification happens because this word exposes your sin and presents the good news of regeneration through repentance. Ladies and gentlemen, this word can change your destiny. There's something interesting. In verse 13, we read it. It says, all things are naked and open before his eyes. The word naked from the Hebrew is in a reference to the Old Testament. And I thought this was interesting. The word naked describes, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, sacrifice system, sacrificial system. This word naked Describes the bending back of the head of the sacrifice animal so that it might expose the neck to the destruction. Naked to expose the lifeblood. Isn't that amazing? Naked before his eyes, the bending of the head so that the sacrifice could take the blood. It means to expose the lifeblood. Young people, mom and dad, hear a plain preacher. The heart and soul by this word is bent back, laid back before God, stretched out, if you will, so the sword could be thrust into the life of self so that Christ might live in us. Today, our nation and its people need a revival. I ask the question, can America be reclaimed for God's glory? Can America be reclaimed? Back in the Reformation, a number of men approached Martin Luther. I hope you know your church history And they asked this during this great revival, the Reformation, these men approached Martin Luther and asked this question, how is the Reformation happening? And how is the church being stirred? And Luther responded, quote, I simply talked, preached, and wrote God's word. Listen, I simply talked, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And then I slept, and the word so greatly weakened the papacy that never a prince nor never an emperor did such damage to it. I did nothing, the word did it all. Reclaim America, Pastor? I think we can. How? I've told you. We speak it, we live it, let's sing it. Let's write it. Let's tell it. Let's believe it. Let's pray it. And may it be said of each of us, the Word did it. The Word did it. I didn't realize, I didn't realize for so many years how the Word has impacted my life. Not just in my spiritually, Direction or eternity sense. And not just because I'm a preacher. But the last several years, there's something I've noticed because it's, it's part of my nature. I'm telling you, folks, this book is a living book. And I've noticed that in my conversations, in my conversations, in my conversation, no matter what the subject is, the Spirit of God speaks to me from the Word about that subject that subject and it comes and I say it or it comes and I think and it comes and I, I, I speak that back and I had someone here I've known about three years and this person said pastor can I tell you one thing that I have so long to do ever since I've known you Every conversation, you always have something to say about scripture, or scripture says this, and scripture says that, scripture. And this person said, I so want that in my life. That's why I so love this word. How many love this word? It became flesh and dwelt among us, full of mercy and God's grace. Young people, mom and dad, your life has influence. Speak it, live it, on the job, at the house, wherever it is. Use it to reclaim Christ in this nation. If the Christian doesn't speak this word, we will not last. So here's a question. Pastor, what if the nation doesn't listen? I just wanna say this. I'm over in Romans eight, you don't have to turn. If the nation won't listen, what are we gonna do? Let me stop and say before I answer that, simply this. This word is forever. This word is forever. This word is forever, say it with me. This word is forever settled in heaven. This word is forever settled in heaven. This word is forever settled in heaven. Go against it, it'll judge you. Go with it, it'll bring life and vitality to your world. This word is forever settled in heaven. Say it with me. This word is forever settled in heaven. If you're at home, turn to somebody there or in the hospital room. Right now, you and this word, turn to somebody and look them right in the eye and say this word. Come with me, come on, do that. Don't look at me, look at them. This word is forever settled in heaven. What are we gonna do, Pastor, if our nation doesn't turn? This forever settled word tells us. So will you stand with me? I'm just gonna read this. This word assures us, we sung, I'm gonna see a victory Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear someone about the Christian say our day, our best days are in front of us, it's true. How many of you know this is as bad as it's gonna get? They said that our best day is in front of us, but I just wanna share with you what happens, Pastor. I'm gonna read Romans 8, 31. Please let this get to your spirit. What shall we say then to all these things? Here's what we say. Say it with me. If God is for us, who can be? We need to remember that, don't we? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? told you the story. Man got his life threatened and he told the guy that was threatening him, you can't scare me with heaven. That's the way we ought to be. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't scare me with heaven. So what if they blow the whole thing up to be present, absent the bodies to be present with the Lord? I'm telling you, the book is settled. Well, let's read this one, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, not height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know who's got it made? You. How many of you are in the covered in the blood of Christ this morning? I may have recovered the blood of Christ <laughs> On the internet, online. If you don't know this, Lord, today's the day of salvation. Now's the appointed and the accepted time with this congregation. If you don't know the Lord, I wanna pray with you, and I'll pray with someone on the line. If you don't know the Lord, pray this prayer after me. Father, I bring, Lord, with me the knowledge that I have sinned and come short of the glory of my God. I thank you for the sacrifice that Christ has made, paid my sin debt, and I receive, Lord, through the blood of the Christ, the redemption and the forgiveness of sin. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe he died and rose again for my salvation in my eternity. So I will serve him as my Savior and my Lord. I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.